While you're sitting down, um, I'd like to ask you a question, a very brief one, and that is this. How many of you have ever heard of the father and son, son team, Rick and Dick Hoyt? Anyone? A couple of you have Rick and Dick Hoyt. Dick is the father. Rick is the son. I've titled this message, Together We Run, and Here's Why.
Together they run. I love that. Together has power. Don't run alone. Are you running alone? The days are coming when, as Solomon said, woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. That day is here for a lot of people. The days may be coming when, when, uh, and I think I probably by now need to bring this up, when what I'm looking like, all 129 pounds of me, may be what uh, many will be looking like. The days are already here around the world. Yes, I've lost a little weight. Many of you have come up to me, have talked about to friends and things, what's going on with Brian. Uh, it's called a fast. The Bible says not to flaunt it, but it's gotten to the place where I can't hide it, and some of you have been wondering. And so, just to clarify things, your pastor does not have cancer, nor does he have an eating disorder, as a couple people wondered. Um, I'll be teaching some about fasting next week, Lord willing, but I'm here to tell you today... Uh, and this relates to what we're going to be talking about today, that becoming weak is good for a lot of different reasons. And one of them is this, because it already has, and it's going to bring us together. A lot of you are already weak, and you've come to see the need for one another in a way that you probably never would have otherwise. And so you can look the future in the face, however lean or mean it may seem. You don't have to be anxious about tomorrow, like Christ said, what you will eat or what you will put on. Whatever happens in the days that may be coming, it's all in God's good plan because we're going to see that power is perfected in weakness. Just like we saw it perfected in Rick Hoyt through his father. Because together has power. Are you running alone? I hope not, because someday you may lose some weight too, or your money, or your house, some of you already have, or your job, right? Or whatever. And you'll need someone to lean on. Maybe sooner than you think. And you'll need to follow Bill Withers' advice. Remember that old song? It's been going through my mind all week long. In a lot of ways, it sums up what we're going to be talking about today. Lean on me. When you're not strong, and I'll be your friend, I'll help you carry on. For it won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. The title of this message is Together We Run, as I've said, and it's a rather countercultural message. What I want to talk to you about this morning is the exact opposite of what many of you probably have been taught all your lives. But if you'll do this, if you'll do it His way, you'll be able to handle whatever weaknesses may ambush you in the future. Things like fatigue or fear, you know, or frustration or failure or loneliness. It'll be far easier to deal with, with uh, depression, just even despair, and whatever else may come up against us here in what very, very well may be the twilight of the West. As I said, it's the exact opposite of what many of us have been taught. As Americans, we kind of, we tend to idolize uh, independence. In America, we have, you know, the Declaration of Independence. The church ought to be a Declaration of Interdependence, right? But it's not quite American. We like songs like, I've got to be me, I'll do it my way, I don't need anybody to tell me, you know, what it's all about. Many of us honored the Lone Ranger when we were younger. I loved watching, uh, watching the show. We loved the Lone Ranger, some of us anyway. And, of course, even he had Tonto. But, um, 
But, but we like being totally independent. We've bought into the myth that in some ways it's a key to, the, the key to happiness is independence. If I, if I have relational independence, financial independence, independence in every other area of my life, if I don't let anyone get too close to me, if I'm totally self-sufficient, then I'll be happy. That's why some people move up to Summit County. But God says that the key to happiness is not independence, but rather interdependence. We need each other. We belong to each other. We need a community in our lives. God wired you to go through life not as a solitary individual, but but in community. The Bible says in Romans 12, since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other and each of us needs all the others. We so need each other. God says community is not optional. You may not feel it. You may not like the idea. You know, I'm very self-sufficient, you may say. I don't need other people in my life. But the truth is that you absolutely have to have other people in your life if you're going to be all that God wants you to be. You simply cannot fulfill God's purposes in your life by yourself. There is no way. You you, you talk to most Christians around the world and it's gotten to the place where they're saying, we couldn't survive without each other, much less thrive. That's what it's getting to in some countries. No, He designed us to run together. And we're going to see this over the next six weeks, starting next Sunday, both in what I talk about uh, up here and in small groups in different homes across Summit County. For six weeks, we're going to see that together has power. So don't run alone. Today I want to give you a little introduction. We're going to look at why we need each other. It's why it's going to be worth your time to come together in homes for just six weeks. Four of the most important reasons, as I thought about it, as to, as to why we need God's family. Why God says you, you, you really do need uh, other people in your life. Uh, the first is this. The first is that I need others to walk with me. To walk with me. One of the key ways that God tells us not to walk through life is this. You were never meant to walk alone through life. It's very basic. Some of you may say, you know, Brian, what's wrong with walking alone? I like walking alone. In fact, you may be thinking, I prefer it. I can go at my own pace. I can go, you know, at my own speed. No pressure. Uh, I don't have to wait for anybody. Whatever. I like walking alone. Why do you need others to walk with you? Why not walk alone? Well, three very simple reasons. First, it's safer. Especially when it's, you know, getting dark outside. Walking through life with other people in your life is safer. It's less risky. Have you ever had to walk through, you know, some dark alley in an inner city all by yourself? It's a little bit scary. Or walk down a long road in the countryside uh, by yourself. It's just safer to walk through life with others. Second, it's supportive, especially in hard times. What I mean by that is that it keeps you from giving up. When you're walking with other people, you have the energy to keep going that you wouldn't have had otherwise on your own. I don't know, if you're, have, you, have you ever seen a marathon where you're running this marathon and you start getting a stitch in your side and a little pain there and you're getting awfully tired and you just want to give up? That actually happens to me by about mile one and a half. 
I actually don't run marathons, just to be honest here. But, and you start going, you know, whatever it is that you're doing out there. I can't go on. I'm not going to be able to do this. I want to give up. But you've got, you know, people by your side or, who are hiking with you, and you don't want to, you know, show how out of shape you are or whatever. And, or they're biking with you up Montezuma and back down or skinning with you up A Basin. And, and, and you can keep on going because you've got a little community there. Especially when the weather gets bad. And when the going gets tough, and, uh, or when the path gets steep. There's an old Zambian proverb that says, when you run alone, you run fast, but when you run together, you run far. Good words. Life is not a 50-yard dash. It's a marathon. You, you want to make it to the, to the very end. And the only way you're going to make it to the end of life, the way God wants you to make it to the end of life, is by uh, having other people involved in your life. Have you ever watched the, uh, the fall flock of geese sometimes? I'm sure many of you have. You've probably heard this. They're flying south, you know, and they're in the V formation. Classic example of this. You know why they do that? Well, because, of course, it creates an uplift in the backdraft, and it makes it easier for them to fly together, to fly, to fly together longer. The same is true in your life. You're going to burn out in life if you go through life without meaningful, ongoing uh, relationships. It's safer. It's supportive. But then third, it's also smarter. It's just smarter to go through life with a few really deep, close friendships who you meet with on a regular basis. You learn more by walking with others than you do by walking with yourself. Proverbs 28.26 says, Only fools trust in what they alone think. Only fools trust in what they alone think. When we're alone, what we think seems sometimes like gospel truth, and there's no way it could be wrong, but you get involved with other people and you start to see sometimes. I sure have. In other words, if I'm the only one who thinks this and nobody else agrees with it, guess what? I'm probably wrong. I may be walking in the wrong direction. But if you're walking by yourself through life, uh, you, don't, um, you don't have anyone go say to you, we're off the path. We've missed it. We've got to get back to the path. Especially for someone like me, who's kind of uh, a friend of mine at my other church called me topographically challenged. <laughs> When it comes to finding my way, never ask me directions and never, ever follow me if you don't know where you're going. The Bible tells us in a multitude of counselors, there is safety, especially on the, any untraveled road that may be coming your way. And one probably is. All of this is why it says in Hebrews 10, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage uh, one another. It's safer. It's supporter. It's, uh, it's supportive, and it's a whole lot smarter. He says in Hebrews, you're created for community, and I want to en- you to encourage each other by meeting together day by day. That is on a regular basis. This verse is not talking about what we're doing right now. This is not community. This, uh, this is crowd. Crowd, not Community. We can encounter each other here. You can't even get to talk to very many people. There are just too many people. This can only be done in something more like a small group context. 
You can't profit from community without being in a community. Not a crowd, but a community. So that's why during the next 40 days, we're going to get into small groups for just six weeks. And uh, not for the rest of your life. I'm just saying get in a group for the next six weeks. And uh, it'll be like last year's format. You'll spend 20 minutes watching Rick Warren teach and then discuss it with brothers and sisters. If you want to be a host to have a group in your home, all you need to do is have a heart for people. All you have to do is open up your home, serve something to drink, turn on the DVD. The Bible says this, this in First uh, Peter 4, 9, open your homes to each other without complaining. Without complaining. So what's your complaint? When you think of having people over, you know, my home is dirty. Well, clean it up. <laughs> That's a real easy thing to do, for most of you anyway. We may have, need to have a church cleanup day for some of you, I don't know. But, or my home isn't big enough. Well, can you put three people in it? Three, that's a group. And that's the first reason to get in a group. I need people to walk with me. The second of the four reasons is this. I need others to watch out for me. I really need others to watch out for me. I'm talking about people who will defend me, who will stand up for me, who will uh, protect me, who will help me you know, uh, keep on track, who will watch my backside, who will warn me. We, we all need this because we all have blind spots. The Bible says in Philippians 2.4, look out for one another's interest, not just for your own. Look out for each other. If you want a countercultural verse, that's it. In America, the general idea is, you know, it's all about me, right? It's all about my needs, my interests, my wants, my desires, my ambitions, dot, 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 on ad infinitum, ad nauseum. What, what Paul's saying here is forget you. <laughs> the verse that says, don't just look out for your own interests, look out for others too probably seen those neighborhoods with the neighborhood watch signs up on the streets. That's a sign of community. It says, we watch out for each other here. We're looking out for each other here. My, my guess is if you, want, if you went on vacation this summer, you were gone, you know, gone for a week, maybe two weeks, you probably told your neighbor that you were going to be gone, right? We did. You said, I'm going to be gone for a couple of weeks. Would you mind keeping an eye out on the house? Look out for my stuff. You know, we all want our stuff looked out for. And that's a good thing to have your stuff looked after, watched out for. But my question is not whether anyone's watching out for your stuff. It's this, whether anyone is watching out for your soul. Your soul is a whole lot more important than your stuff, right? Is there anybody in your life who, who's helping you stay on track uh, spiritually? Is there anybody who loves you enough to say, I'm not going to let you get discouraged. I'm not going to let you drop out. I'm, gonna not, I'm not going to let you uh, get tired. I'm here with you. Let me support you. And they encourage you in your spiritual life. If you don't have anyone like that, that's sad. The fact is we all have blind spots, things we can't see. Like, in my case, you know, which shirt goes with which pants? <laughs> to be honest, I've almost given up dressing myself. I just don't see what looks bad. You know, I just say, just lay out my clothes, Julie. I'll say whatever you wear. Say, I'll wear whatever you say. <laughs> Rather than get something on it, to take it off and put something else on. She does this on Sunday now, as I'm sure you can tell. <laughs> Today I'm wearing something that, that, that's, uh, that, to try to make me look bigger. <laughs> but... Uh, be that as it may, your, you know, your tail lights out, and you never knew it, right? Somebody's got to look out for you. Somebody's got to say, you got a tail light out. 
Hopefully somebody tells you when, when you're unzipped. Right? We're family here. If, I'm, if that ever happens to me, please tell me. In my last church, they didn't. I preached a whole sermon that way. That's not family. Okay? That's mean. That's getting... Well, friends don't let friends get, you know, chips of tacos in their, in their teeth, right? Or a little something in their nose. That's what people who care about you do. They say, you got something in your nose. Get that thing out. We need to watch out for each other because there's some, there's some stuff that we just can't see in many ways. The Bible says in Hebrews 13.1, keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should. We should care about each other. We're in God's family. As, as brothers and sisters, um, I, I should defend you. And you should defend me. And, and I, I help you stay on track. And you, uh, you help me stay on track. If the, the, the verse says, keep being concerned. That means not just once. And so we're vigilant. In, in a war, everybody has to take time to be on sentry duty. And we are in a war more than we often realize it. While everybody else is sleeping, somebody stays awake and, you know, make sure the enemy doesn't come crashing in. Since 9-11, we've all been a whole lot more vigilant, haven't we? A whole lot more vigilant, at least in the big cities, for each other and with terrorism and things like that. But did you know that the enemy, we've got an enemy that is far more destructive than any terrorist, and he doesn't just hang out in big cities. Oh, yes, you have a personal enemy, and he hates your guts. He wants to defeat you. His name is Satan, of course, and he is real. Satan is real. Remember the song that we played in the amphitheater this summer? Satan wants to mess up your life. He wants to bring problems into your life. Satan wants to ruin your life, ruin your relationships. He wants to hurt you as bad as he can. The moment you wake up in the morning, you're a target. The moment you wake up in the morning, he's already been plotting how to get you to waste that day. You know, to blow it with anger or worry or fear or guilt or shame or uh, depression or any uh, resentment or bitterness. He'll just try to get it all messed up. When Satan attacks you, you know, he doesn't come in a little red costume and a pitchfork and say, Boo! Oh no. How does he mess up your life? Well, through habits you can't break through hurts that you won't let go of and hold on to the resentment, through hang-ups that you can't change in your life, through problems, through uh, circumstances, through relationships that break your heart and that, that hurt you. He's, he, he, he's just waiting for that kind of thing, to get in there and make it worse than it would ever have been in the flesh. He, he, he works around and through other people. That's why Paul says we don't struggle against flesh and blood. The enemy is not your husband, is not your wife, is not your, your, you know, your, your worst enemy at, at, at the office. The enemy is Satan through these people who knows how to use them as pawns. So many Christians are defeated. They live in perpetual defeat. Why? Well, a good part of it is that we, we try to fight them on our own. The principalities and powers and the heavenly places that are arrayed against us. We try to fight them through our own little puny selves. That's stupid. You're never going to win against the devil on your own. You need other people who will watch out for you. 
and uh, who will help you, especially in a day when, when wickedness is increasing around the world like never before. Like it says in Revelation, Woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows his time is short. He's got great wrath. But like it says in Ecclesiastes 4.12, I love this, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Don't you love that picture? Two together can stand back to back and conquer. That's us together as we run together. And then he concludes, three are even better. That is us together. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Three or more. That's a small group. He says you watch out for each other. Here's my question. Is there anybody watching your backside? Anybody who's watching for your your spiritual welfare? Do you have anybody close like that? Are you in a small group of, 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 of people who are saying, we're there when you're going through the tough times. We're not going to let you get discouraged. We're not going to let you uh, get depressed. We're going to hold you and we're going to not let you get worried. We're going to be here with you. If you don't have anyone like that, I, I pity you. You've got, a, <laughs> you've got a big bullseye on your back for Satan, if that's you. It's like he's saying, here's a loner. This one's not connected. They're not in a group. We can go for him. Community is God's answer to defeat. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4.10, if one person falls, another can reach and help. But people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. So first, I need others to walk with me. Second, I need others to watch out for me. Third, then, I need others to wait with me and to weep for me. To wait and to weep. I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about waiting for the bad news and uh, waiting for me while I wonder what's going to happen. Uh, and they weep when I get the bad news. I need people with me in the inevitable crises of life. When the tragedy said, I don't want to face that alone. Just like the song goes, it won't be long till you need somebody to lean on. It won't be long. Lean on me. You want to know how to prepare for an uncertain future? Well, there are many things. But here is one of the most important. As your pastor, I really feel this one. I see it on a daily basis. There are situations that nobody should have to go through alone. Nobody should have to ever have to wait in a hospital, a hospital while a loved one is going uh, is in a life or death surgery. Nobody. No woman should ever have to wait alone while you know waiting for the lab report on a problem pregnancy. Nobody. Nobody should have to wait for for news from the battlefield alone. Nobody. Nobody should have to stand at the edge, you know, of an open grave alone. Nobody should have to wait at home alone for the coroner to come and, and publicly identify the body of a loved one who just died. Nobody. Nobody should have to spend the first night alone after their husband has died or their wife has died. Nobody should ever have to spend the first night alone after their wife has just walked out or their husband. 
Nobody should have to face the future alone. And that's why He gave us the body of Christ. The fact is that some, some of these things are going to happen to you. They're inevitable. You're going to have to, you know, you're going to have loved ones uh, die. You're going to have to go through tragedy. You're going to get bad health news. You're going to find out one day that you're dying. You, you need other people in your life. Only a fool would go, go all the way through life totally unprepared for something that you know is inevitably going to happen. The time is now to build a safety net. The network of supporters, of friends. Get it in place now because at some point, tragedy is going to happen. You don't know when. The time to prepare is now. Fourth and finally, I need others to witness with me. In a lot of ways... All the other three and a whole bunch of other reasons why we need each other climax with this. They build up to this. What do I mean by that? Well, you have a life message that God wants you to share with the world. It's, it's part of your mission to share Christ in word and deed, as, as our vision states, through the uniqueness of your personality and your calling and your story and your abilities and your, your uh, opportunities and your gifts and endowments. Share Christ in word and deed. The Bible says that God put you on earth to do a mission. There's great power uh, in group witness. God never meant for you to do your mission alone. God would never send a soldier out by himself. He says we go out together, which is just what we'll be doing through our groups and through uh, over the next six weeks as well as through this year of going passionately. Just like we sang, we will walk with each other, we will walk hand in hand, and together we'll spread the news that God is in the land, together, as great hearts who patrol the roads. Overall, we'll be doing two things in these small groups for uh, these six weeks, starting a week from today when I'll be launching it all next Sunday from the pulpit. First, we'll deepen community within the church. Without that, we've got nothing. So we'll build on what we did last year. We'll deepen community in the church among one another in our small groups. And then we'll reach out to the community around our church. What a powerful one-two punch. There's some very specific ways of serving needs uh, in Summit County. And through it all, we're going to be developing some great hearts who will patrol the roads. Together we'll run, because together has power. That's what it's all about. So, don't run alone. When the going gets tough, are you going to be running in a constructive way? Running into it with the answer, or running away from it? You'll be running into it if you're running together. And underneath it all, it'll all depend on whether you have someone to lean on. On whether under it all, you're uh, leaning on Him through all of these someones in this room who stand for Him. And in some living room, in some home, somewhere in Summit County. You know, the church is all about community. If you think about it, 
this week, it just occurred to me, community is, is actually our middle name, isn't it? Dylan Community Church. I like that. Being a caring community that reaches out to a community in need. That's what Dylan Community Church is all about. Can you spare six weeks to deepen that? To deepen the foundation so that when the wind and the rains come, you'll be patrolling the roads on a good foundation. You know, sometimes the world has a wisdom that we do well to listen to. So, as we close today, I thought we would listen to the old classic by Bill Withers.
have the ushers come forward. Father, we do want to thank you for the very the simplicity of what we've been talking about. And you've put this at the heart of all those who you've created in your image, that we need one another. Thank you for the gift of the body of Christ where this happens in a synergy that creates the very incarnation of Christ in this world as we lean on one another as we lean on you. And so, Father, we commit ourselves to this end. In Jesus' name, amen.